20 minutes a day, 365 days a year. This is the Pack-A-Day Podcast. Welcome in everyone to another edition of the Pack-A-Day Podcast. Thanks again for joining us today. My name is Dan Connick, and I am joined by my two fellow draft geeks as we uh, break down another position group here as we get ready for the 2020 NFL Draft. I'm joined by my uh, monthly co-host, Rob Rieger. Rob, how you doing? Hey, uh, how you doing? I'm doing great. Doing good. Yeah, you're hanging in there, man. <laughs> <I don't... Yeah. laughs> you're doing the best you can, all of us. Um, and we're joined by our partner from uh, from the first week when we uh, did a, a little deep dive into a couple of different prospects. Brennan Roop is back with us. Brennan, how you doing? Doing good. Thanks for having me. How you guys doing? Doing well. Doing well. Getting close, man. I'll, I'll tell you what. The closer the each week that passes, that we get closer to the draft. I, I'm like a I'm like a a salivating dog, man. I just <laughs> I, I'm ready for it to get here. <laughs> Definitely. Um, so uh, before we jump into our position group today, uh, there's some Packer news and notes that we uh, need to address. Want to take a look at? Um, obviously, the big one in uh, in Packer land is the news that. Um, Packer Hall of Famer, Pro Football Hall of Famer, uh, Willie Davis passed away yesterday at 85 years old. Um, he is obviously one of those uh, marquee names that you saw whenever anybody talked about uh, the Lombardi Packers. Um, he played his college ball at Grambling State, came into the Packers organization in 1960 after being traded from the Cleveland Browns. Um, he won two Super Bowls, obviously with uh, with the Packers, five NFL championships, um, five Pro Bowls, five All Pros. He was a part of the '60s All Decade team. Um, and then you know, like if that wasn't enough for him as a as a player, he went on and did like huge big things later on <laughs> with uh, outside of football. Um, he got his MBA from the University of Chicago. Uh, he was like. I, I didn't know this. He he was on several like controlling boards for big companies like Dow Chemical, MGM, uh, Sara Lee, and then he also was the president of a radio broadcasting company. Um, and then uh, I should have mentioned this with his career and everything. He was also the first um, African American captain uh, in Green Bay Packers history. And um, a little known fact, or I don't know if it was I I didn't know this either. Um, one of six finalists. In the voting to replace Pete Rozelle as NFL commissioner in 1989, wow. uh, obviously that went to, to Paul Tagliabue, but uh, yeah, Willie Davis, um, a, a story career on and off the field. Um, he's got uh, a son and grandson that have continued his legacy. Uh, I know his grandson still plays for Ohio State right now, uh, but Willie Davis, a um, uh, a Packer legend a and uh, I don't, a Titan. Yeah, I mean that's. It doesn't get much bigger than that, right? When it comes uh, to Lombardi, yeah, without a, without a doubt. I mean, he was he was, signified those championships. He was the leader on the defense. He was a fire leader, and like you said, obviously he had a great success afterwards, and and actually credited Lombardi with a lot of that success, kind of teaching him how to be a man, and and so on and so forth. So a big loss for the Packer community, but uh, you know, rest in peace. Definitely. Yeah, and like you said, he was a Hall of Fame player on the field, obviously. But he, after what he did after his career, too, he's a Hall of Fame person. It's just it's a tough day for Packers community. It's kind of sad seeing all those legends kind of get older and pass away, like Bart Starr just last year or two years ago. And I found it interesting on the Athletic. They uh, 
said that he could have been credited for 140 sacks. Now, sacks weren't something that was tracked back then, but that's just crazy to me that he was just that dominant at that position for so long. So, yeah, it's a sad day. Rest in peace, Willie Davis. Yeah. You know, that's that's the thing. I, I always try and make it to one. I live in Michigan, so I try to make it to one game, and usually it's the first game, which is almost always the uh, the alumni game. And, you know, it, it's it's unfortunate that, you know, every year there's kind of like less and less of those 60s, 70s era Lombardi Packers and Willie Davis. He, man, he, every time he showed up at Lambeau, he, he just had the biggest smile on his face. Like it was the coolest thing for him just to come back to, to Lambeau and have everyone there cheering for him. Um, so definitely going to be missed uh, everywhere inside and outside of football. Um, w- one more uh, smaller note uh, that we felt was kind of uh, newsworthy to at least address or put out there is that um, the rumor mill is flying around. Uh, involving a Packer rival um, news coming out or a couple people uh, taking uh, some reports that Odell Beckham Jr. Um, is in talks with the pa- the Browns are in talks with uh, the Vikings to possibly send OBJ to Minnesota um, reported on WFAN this morning. They, the report was that it was about a second and fifth round pick from next year for uh for OBJ. Um, I don't know. Mary Kay Cabot from the plain dealer, her Vikings sources said it was false, but I don't know guys in this, uh, in this climate, you know, you can't believe what anybody says about anything. <laughs> yeah, No kidding. But you know, the one thing I can say on that is that it's one of those, um, kind of catch 22s or something, because obviously the guy's talented, but they basically ran Stefan Diggs out of town. He couldn't, uh, he couldn't get along with Cousins. He wasn't getting the ball enough. And now if you add somebody like an Odell Beckham, who obviously has had some issues in the past, uh, this could be an implosion waiting to happen. Yeah, it's it's tough. I mean, well, that's, you know, that's the, been the, uh, you know, the talk around when um, he was rumored to be coming to Green Bay, you know, that like there were there was like just those small little ideas of people saying, what would you give up to get OBJ? The guy's got a lot of talent, but you know you got to find the right locker room to to throw him into. And yeah, like you mentioned, I don't know if um, not sure if Minnesota is the right <laughs> environment for uh, right. for somebody like that right now. Yeah, no. And uh, Paul Allen, who's the play by play for the Vikings, I live in Minnesota, and he tweeted out earlier today that he asked someone that in the know. Now he would know because Paul Allen's very connected, obviously, and they mm-hmm. said it's fake news. So. I don't even know if I buy it, which I don't know a lot of people are buying it or not. But I just, like uh, Rob already said, I don't think that would be a good fit if they just traded Diggs. I don't think they're going to trade for another Diva receiver. Yeah, and I don't know. Like, even issues aside, locker room issues aside, like a second and a fifth round pick for a talent like that, like that that says a lot about what um, the uh, the culture that he's kind of created around himself. Yeah. Uh, OBJ. Um, but enough uh, enough of that stuff, guys. Let's talk about real things. Let's talk about the draft coming up. <laughs> All right. um, we are breaking down the running back class here for 2020. And it is uh, this is a fun one. Um, you know, like ru- what you were saying, Rob, off uh, off mic, we, our group finally gets to talk about some offense. And, and this is a fun offensive group to look at. Um, it, it's, a, it's a position that the Packers could be Looking at, um, you know, obviously Aaron Jones separated himself last year, 
uh, as and and showed the NFL that he can be a dominant three three down line three uh, three down running back um, and be an integral part of the offense. And then you've got uh, you know Jamal Williams, and that was really kind of the two that we saw. Um, you know, there's a couple other. You know, Dexter Williams is still sitting back there. We didn't really see him. It kind of sounded like the the team didn't trust him much. Uh, you've got Tyler Irving floating around in there. Um, so, w- what's your guys' take on the running back position as they head into the 2020 draft right now? Uh, I'll, I'll go ahead and start. You know, I I, yeah. I think that the pack I think that the Packers are going to be looking for a running back now, at least for depth. Um, it's going to come up pretty soon that uh, Aaron Jones is going to be up for a contract. Uh, those it's starting starting to come up right now. You know whether we want to extend them or not. So you know it is a good spot at least for depth, but also kind of you know getting that dynamic playmaker that can maybe play on a third down, maybe can run some jet sweeps with us um kind of kind of do things uh maybe out of the norm for our offense and there's several running backs in this class that i feel would definitely fit that uh perspective uh, what do you think brennan yeah i would agree with you i think that's it's one of those things where they're probably thinking of their succession plan now are they going to pay aaron jones are they going to let him walk are they going to pay jamal williams or are they going to let both of them walk um so i think they could be looking to add a running back i don't think they're going to probably draft one as early as some people think i think third round is maybe the sweet spot there but I definitely think I agree with you, Rob. That they might be looking to add some depth, uh, maybe a third guy that can come in and do some different things for them. And I really, I really like the class. I mean, we had talked a little bit yesterday, or not talked, but uh, communicated yesterday about you know the fact that Travis Etienne and Chuba Hubbard uh, could have actually come out this year and didn't. And had those guys come out, it probably would have been a, a stellar year for running backs. As it is, I still see a lot of impact players out of there. I don't know about you guys. Oh yeah, definitely. Um... But let me ask this: Does does the contract that Christian McCaffrey just got does that? Do you think how that affects what the Packers do in the draft at the running back position? Brennan, what do you think? Um, you know, it's such a hard thing to do because you, all this talk is about you don't pay running backs. The problem with right. Christian McCaffrey is kind of in his league of his own, where he just came off an historic season where he had a thousand yards receiving, a thousand yards rushing, he had like a hundred and. I think it's 116 receptions and so he is just a different breed where Aaron Jones yes he had a very good season but it could you find someone in the draft that could do the same thing Aaron Jones did maybe not the amount of touchdowns but I think he could provide some similar production so I, I it's a hard question because Christian McCaffrey is just in a different league of his own I don't know what you think about the topic Rob but yeah, yeah, I I would agree with that, but you know, you know how it is in the NFL. You know, somebody sets the mark, and then you know mm-hmm. people are trying to get over that mark. So, you know, I could see Aaron Jones if he has another year similar to last year, wanting to maybe not get the sixteen million, I believe, is is McCaffrey's per year, but maybe just under that. And there's no way we can afford to pay that no. um, in the current situation because uh, I mean, let's face it, he's on a rookie contract right now, so this would be a massive pay raise for him. So, um, it wouldn't be the worst thing to kind of look towards the future in this draft. Yeah, you, the the thing that stuck out with me with the Christian McCaffrey thing, the the thing I instantly thought of was, you know, so much talk near the end of the year, especially when it came to Pro Bowl voting, was everyone comparing the usage of those two and the production that both of them had, and that you know when you take into account, uh, you know, all the other weapons that Aaron Rodgers was throwing to, that Aaron Jones, you know, had kind of similar. Uh, you know, a, a similar stat line, similar usage to what Christian McCaffrey have. So 
yeah, it, it's it's it makes things a lot more nebulous uh, yeah, sure. in the future there. Yeah, 100%. Uh, so let let's let's take a look at these guys here. Um, just right off the bat, tell me who is your guys's number one because I, I can see I can see two guys that I would feel really comfortable about making or claiming to be the number one running back in this group. Um, possibly three. Uh, Rob, I'll, I'll start with you. Yeah. So, I mean, I took a, I took a deep dive on all these guys and, and, you know, I guess the nice thing about running backs is that they are, you know, they're easy to kind of follow on the field and, and everything. And they're kind of easy to study. Um, I, I, I still, I, I give the nod to Taylor. I think that he's such a Jonathan Taylor out of Wisconsin, such a unique talent. He's so fast. He's so powerful. He has this unique skill that he can run through arm tackles without even slowing down. And that's one of his big, that's one of his best traits. Guys cannot take him down with their arm and he keeps going at full speed. And once he gets out in the open, he's gone, but he still also has the ability to work within the tackles. So I just look at him as a, a, as a much more well-rounded back than maybe some of the other ones. And the other thing is this past year, just to kind of uh, piggyback on that is his uh, receiving increase. Um, that was one thing that a big question mark going into last year was his receptions, but he did, he did a great job. He has nice, natural, soft hands and i think that that aspect of his game is uh can develop even further yeah and i i agree with you on jonathan taylor i think you could make the case for all three of them dobbins swift and jonathan taylor i'll go the other i'll go uh, deandre swift um obviously i didn't do such a deep dive probably as rob did because i kind of started looking at guys on day two day three but DeAndre <laughs> Swift, he just always started out to me when i watched georgia i think he has this ability to make defenders miss without throttling down i think he's Fairly, obviously, he didn't run a fast 40 like Jonathan Taylor. I think it was a 4-4-8. He has yep. the natural hands, too, coming out of the backfield. I just think that he is one of those complete backs that can make an impact right away. That's my number one. You know what? You know the thing with Swift, though, that, that, that I will give you is that his lateral quickness is elite. Jonathan Taylor doesn't quite have that. He kind of needs a little head of steam before he can make a cut, whereas Swift can really zig and zag um, all over it, um, you know, before he even starts going. Uh, the one area that I can say, though, that I put Taylor ahead was the touchdown production, mm -hmm. um, not just even the yards. Um, Swift only had eight touchdowns last year, yeah. and, you know, the, the Georgia offense is built kind of you know with power they have those they have those big linemen up front uh they want to run first uh from wasn't you know a, an elite passer and he had eight touchdowns you know taylor came in with 26 touchdowns last year so so to me that matters it, it it seems that taylor has that nose for the goal line and he can somehow just twist and turn and somehow he just gets there and reaches that ball over so often see that's uh that's interesting because i um and I, I really, I really tried to check myself with this um, because I, I am an Ohio State fan. Uh, but I, I saw, I really saw J.K. Dobbins as 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 my like when I was looking at this group. Like if I had first pick of it, I really like what J.K. Dobbins brings to the brings to the field um, in terms of like his elusiveness and yeah. j just his ability to like always stay on his feet like no matter if he's doing a spin move if he's in the middle of guys you know reaching at his arms his legs whatever he's almost like a ballerina like he's just he's finding a way to like keep his feet pointed and, and he's he's just staying up um my, my biggest thing with jonathan taylor and let me put this out to you guys um was he was he overused at wisconsin does does he have too much? Does he have too many miles on him uh, to 
where that becomes like a, a, an impact in the NFL. Uh, yeah, I that's one of those things where back in the day, I think it's that was a concern, but now you're probably only looking at running backs as a one contract per like one contract. That's what you want to get out of them. So I don't think that's as okay. big of a concern as it would have been maybe ten years ago. And so I I don't see that as an issue. Um, I don't know what you think about the topic, Rob. You know, you know what's funny about this about these three is that you, I mean, you could easily formulate an argument for any of the three. I mean, they're all going to be featured backs. They're mm-hmm. all going to be elite. It's just a matter of how far up you want to take them and you know are they first round picks or are they second round picks do you want to blow a first round pick on that um when there is some depth there um that's the biggest thing for me is that you can make an argument and even depending on the team that they go to i've argued that if jonathan taylor goes to a team like the pittsburgh steelers he'll probably lead the league in rushing as a rookie because they have such a, a quality line there and he can get ahead of team very similar to wisconsin whereas you know with some of these other teams they need a little bit more elusiveness so yeah that's a good point um so, so we we touched on on our our top three guys in this class. I, I think running away those those are the you would call that the tier one of this of yep, this group for sure. Um, we, we, let's move down to the the second tier guys just below that. Um, these ones I think th- this was actually more interesting for me to look at the this next group of guys, um, just because they don't have kind of those those sexy names with them and didn't have the same kind of, they weren't used in the same way. It felt like a lot of these guys, it's like, we don't really know kind of what we might get from them in the next level. Um, the, the, the biggest one for me was uh, Cam Akers out of Florida state, because I, I think he's, he's a really good talent, but it, it's so hard when you watch film of him because Florida state just did not put him in a good position anywhere. <laughs> that, 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 oh man, that's a great point. I mean, he he was he was Gam Akers was a guy who was a top ten uh, recruit coming out. Um, you know, big things uh, coming his way. He had a thousand yards as his freshman year, but then he took a big setback. Um, but I thought that last year he was very very impressive, and he was running behind the line that was horrendous at times. You know, there'd be two three people in the backfield right when he was getting the ball. So, you know, he had to kind of um, adjust and make a bunch of moves in there. So um, I was very impressed with this film from last year. I don't know what you thought about that, Brennan. Yeah, no, he's definitely one of those guys that he played. You guys already touched on. He played behind a bad offensive line. Now, what would he do with Wisconsin's offensive line? Would he have put up similar numbers as Jonathan Taylor? Who knows? But, yeah, he's a very explosive athlete. He's kind of an ankle breaker with his kind of sharp cuts. So he's very he's someone that could be a better pro than he was college athlete just because if he fits good the right team. Yeah, I think him and Clyde Edwards Hilaire kind of fit into that same category. So those those kind of kind of backs that, you know, might not be able to carry the load 25, 30 times a game, but could definitely come in for like 15 to 17 carries a game and also catch some balls out of the backfield and have that ability to really make an impact on the offense. How much? How much do you think? Speaking of Edwards Hilaire, um, he had that hamstring injury near the end of the season. Um, how much does that affect him? His draft stock. How, how much does? How much? How much do you put into that when you're weighing him as a, a prospect? I think I think a lot of it has to come down to you know the the strangeness of this draft cycle because teams aren't able to do the full battery of tests on, on these players um, yeah. it, it seemed it seemed to me like um you know by this time a, a hamstring would be healed but i mean who knows i mean he did run at he did run at the combine so he, he was out there uh, training and everything so um, i don't i don't know if that'll make an impact if it becomes a, a problematic issue then i guess maybe you have to worry about it but you know he didn't seem injury prone necessarily he just had that one injury 
Yeah, and it, I don't know when I was when I was reading it because I didn't I didn't really know much about him, and it, it, he re-injured that um, you know off the field. It said he was getting like in getting out in and out of bed and re oh, and re-injured you know re-injured it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so so I, I so I don't know if like that how much you know it's 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 tough, but I think you know. Um, Brennan, you raise a good point with a lot of these these injury stuff with running backs. You're not looking to, for them to be here for a second contract for the most part. So you know if a guy's got the talent, um, you know injury wise, kind of uh, not not flies completely out the window, but it, it's not as big a deal as it used to be. Um, wh- what about um, out of Arizona State, uh, Eno, Eno Benjamin? Yeah, I I, I liked <laughs> what I saw there, but it's just it's. I don't know how he really translates to an every down kind of guy in the NFL. See, Rob, I want to take that one. Go ahead, Rob. I want to hear why you said no to that because I just want to hear your opinion on him because he's kind of a mixed bag for me because 2018, I was all in on him. And then this past season, I cooled off on him big time. You know he's he's kind of come he comes and goes for me. At first, I was kind of the same way. I thought I thought that he was going to be this uh, you know just superstar player this year. Um, it didn't really mater- you know materialize as much. I kind of put him in that kind of handful of guys. You got a guy like Eno Benjamin. You have a guy like Anthony McFarland, Keyshawn Vaughn. Um, you have guys with very similar traits in there right now that that are trying to compete to be those those top guys. Um, Eno Benjamin, in my opinion. Um, I mean, he's he's fast. He 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 can he can move laterally. I, I but I view him more as like a like a third down back, kind of a change of pace type of back, rather than somebody that you can rely on carry after carry after carry. Yeah, and I feel the same way as you do. I think he's kind of in that cluster of the fourth round guys that, like you already touched on, McFarland, Keyshawn Vaughn, Michael Pirine. I just think he's one of those guys that's never going to be a lead back, but I think he's going to be. A committee piece. I think he's going to be a good complimentary right. back. I think he can be someone that can come out of the backfield. It's just it was just so strange in 2018. He was so dynamic, and then 2019, it just it kind of seemed to fall off. I don't know what happened there, but that's one of those reasons why I think I just cooled off on him big time. Yeah, there, there is a guy though that I did want to talk about. I don't know if, uh, if, if this is on your schedule, but I wanted to kind of hear you guys' thoughts about Dylan out of Boston College because um, he's he's that guy who is a big boy, 250 pounds. Um, he's not really getting a lot of love by a lot of the draft experts in this season, although he did great at the combine. He had one of the top workouts there. Um, his RAS score is nine one two, which is a uh, fantastic uh, four five three forty. So, I mean, he was showing the ability to get out there, and the production was there. Mm-hmm. I'm just not sure why. I guess the quote unquote draft community isn't as high on him as maybe some of these other guys. See, I I agree with you. I think he's one of those guys that he. It's maybe not a very good comparison, but he kind of reminds me of Jamal Williams, and I don't know why. I don't know if it's just his running style. He's physical. I think he's, like you said, he had a highly productive career at Boston College. I think he's well, he's in the same kind of category as Keyshawn Vaughn and all those guys. He's a different back, but I think he'd be a great day three steal. And I don't know what I could even I could even there. see him. You know, I, I could even see him in a, in a good offense with a good line being a featured back mm-hmm. and being kind of that bell cow too. Yeah. Yeah, is is it is it because is it because of that maybe um, like what you said, Rob? Like he's more of a his production kind of depends on the situation that he gets put into. Like Probably. you know, a lot of a lot of those other top guys that we're talking about 
you can throw them into pretty much anything and they'll find a place, but he seems very kind of scheme specific. Like it has to be sort of a, you know, it's, it's a run first kind of option with him. Right. I mean, I don't think he'd fit in with like an offense like Philadelphia maybe, or, or or like an Indy. Um, But I mean, on the other hand, he could go to a place like new England and be kind of that power back Mm -hmm. um, that, that they like to use at the goal line. So, I mean, I just, you know, I'm a little confused as to why, because what I see on film is I see a bruiser, I see a chain mover, I see a guy that can get uh, get into the end zone, that can move piles, um, and, and also has some, some long speed, too. He's just not necessarily that laterally quick, but, I mean, if he gets a hole, he could be a one-cut player and, and do a lot of damage that way. So let's take a look, guys, um, as we get to the end of our, our, our episode here. Um, guys that we're looking at that... Uh, you know, could be end of the draft or uh, maybe we're not looking at them to be, you know, a replacement for Aaron Jones, but, you know, kind of a, kind of a dark horse, like who, who, who are we looking at? Cause I, I've got one that, that I want to bring up that I, I, I would love to talk about. Cause I really, I really think he would be fun to put in there and that's, um, Antonio Gibson out of Memphis. I, I I was hoping you'd say him because uh, yeah, that's <laughs> he's so much fun. He's he's one of my draft crushes, man. I mean, they were playing him all over the place. They'd take him out of the backfield. They'd have him in the slot. Um, I actually did a, a feature on him for the Cheesehead TV Draft Guide, and he was one of the guys, one, one of my favorite guys to watch because um, he was a great, a great kick returner. Uh, he could run the ball out of the backfield. They used him in the, you know all over the place, and and he was good at um, out of the slot too. So you know he's kind of that you know, jack of all trades type of player, but um, just breakaway speed, just, just a burner. Um, what, what are your thoughts, Brent? Yeah. And again, for me, Gibson, I actually have a third round grade on him. So I don't think he, I've, I would be happy with him in the third round. He's one of those guys, like you already touched about, talked about Rob. He could play in the slot. He doesn't have a lot of tread on the tires. Only 77 career touches at Memphis. Um, he breaks tackles at an incredible rate. According to pro football focus, he forced 33 missed tackles on 77 touches. Now that's just outstanding to me. And like you already talked about, he has breakaway speed. I just, I would love to see him with what Matt Lafleur could do with him. Yeah, he's a he's a he's a burner man, and and so fun. And once he hits that seam, he's gone. Like mm-hmm. it, nobody's catching that guy. Um, yeah, it, that, that's a great choice. Um, an- another guy, you know, there, there's actually a couple guys out there that 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 I think that we, we should talk about. The one guy from uh, Appalachian State, uh, Darrington. Yeah. Uh, he's he's one of those guys that you know I I think Dar- Darrington Evans. Uh, um, one of those guys that was kind of a featured back, um, but real quick, real fast, um, can do that. And uh, the other guy, actually, not necessarily a, an unknown player, but Josh Kelly, Joshua Kelly out of UCLA. I really liked his tape as well. Um, I don't know if you guys have any thoughts on those two specific guys, but, you know, I, I love him as, as a potential sleeper. Uh, yeah, I, I, I love it as any any guys any guys that you can get, you know, in, into an offense like Matt LaFleur with speed, which these guys yeah. both have. Um, I love, you know, that that's, it's, it's kind of like what the, you know, what we wanted to see out of Tyler Irving right. last year, the, these two guys both bring the, the same thing. I think at this point in that, in the, in the later part of the round, if you're looking at a running back, I think you're not looking at someone to replace Aaron Jones. You're looking for just kind of offensive chess pieces. Um, and this running back group has guys like that, you know, all over the place. So I, I, I love, I didn't get to watch much of, um, of Kelly, uh, but, but all the other ones, yeah. Watching them, it's just, you, you picture them in a, in a green and gold outfit 
and you just think about what Matt LaFleur could do with him. Yeah, and it's what it's what we were missing, you know, in, in some ways. I think they tried for a while yeah. to put Irvin in, in into kind of that role. They ran a couple jet sweeps for him. They kind of put him in on offense, um, but but it didn't really materialize that much. You know, getting some of these guys that have experience uh, that have played, you know, in, in, in big-time college football out there, you know, I, I agree with you 100% that that would be something that would be very, very beneficial to our offense. So, guys, as we, as we finish this up here, Let's let's just look in the rearview mirror. We've gone through all these prospects. We see what kind of the situation is with the running back group for the Packers. Um, what's your take on on how they how they fit in? Do you see this being is running back a a need with the the talent that's out there and where they can probably fall, or is it more of a uh, you know if a guy falls to a certain position, we might grab him, but we're not going to make a big push to, to kind of address it. I'll start with you, uh, Brennan. Um, so, yeah, I think you probably want to look, maybe get the succession plan for Aaron Jones because I don't know if Green Bay is going to pay him. I think we touched about talked about that where I just don't think it's in the yeah. cards that they're going to pay him the kind of money that he's going to want to get. So let's say a guy like Zach Moss, who kind of reminds me a little bit of Marshawn Lynch, who kind of has the patience of Le'Veon Bell, maybe isn't the most explosive guy, but if he falls to like 94 and the medicals check out, I think he could be a guy that could come in do a little things his rookie year and then eventually be the replacement for Aaron Jones. Now also there's other things we talked about where there's guys that could come in right away at day three that could provide kind of what you're looking for, what Tyler Irvin wanted to do. Um, so I think you kind of go in looking to get the succession plan, but if not, you try to get the third head of the three headed monster that you're trying to develop in the running back uh, backfield. Yeah, I would probably I would probably say that you know maybe first and second round we might want to address some other needs. I mean that's assuming that you know the the top three or top four guys are already gone, but you know like you said, Brendan, like a guy like Zach Moss maybe could come in and you know build some depth for maybe a year or two, and then if we do decide to move on from Aaron Jones, that he could just step into that starter's role. But you know what I'm really excited about is kind of those fourth fourth and fifth round type guys that can play a specific role within our offense. So um, I, I would think it would be a need but probably not our most pressing need at this time all right that's uh that's the running back group as we see it guys um stay with us the rest of the week we are exactly one week away from the uh virtual start of the nfl uh, draft that's going to be a lot of fun to watch um uh tomorrow andrew kyle and maggie they're going to be bringing down the inside linebacker group another one um that uh, you know has a lot of buzz around what the Packers could be doing in terms of a uh, succession plan. Um, and next week, uh, Rob, you and I, we're going to be doing. Uh, we've got the day of episode. We're doing yeah. the full seven round mock draft. <laughs> uh, that is going to be a lot of fun. <laughs> uh, so stick stick with us, guys, as we get ready uh, and closer and closer to the start of the draft here. Um, you can follow all of us on Twitter. You can follow the uh, podcast on Twitter at Pack a Day Podcast. Um, I'm on there as well at DK all the way. Um, guys, where can people find you? You can find me at, at NFL Draft Regs, R E G S, on Twitter. And you can follow me at, at uh, Royal, like Crown Royal, then underscore Roop, R U P P. Perfect. All right, guys. Uh, until next time, uh, take it easy and stay safe and go Pack Go. Go Pack Go. go.